0: you're not afraid of the dark if you think you have a strong stomach if you feel nothing can shock you if you believe you've seen everything if you say you don't scare easily what are they Oh yeah, Mike Rips, the Ranchulus, once again, transmitting from the loft in Brooklyn, you know what I mean, different uh, this week, because normally I do these on Thursday, and then I post them on Thursday, speaking of which, uh, important announcement, now, these things are going to be going up weekly on my SoundCloud, which is SoundCloud, just look up, search mike rips or soundcloud.com slash nerf douglas n-e-r-f-d-o-u-g-l-a-z and they're also on itunes i don't know if you can subscribe yet but if you can please subscribe uh i think episodes one through 13 are up there right now the one from last week might not go on itunes because i'm having some technical difficulties and we might not even be uh set up where you can subscribe yet on itunes but it's coming so, look up either The Rancheless or Mike Rips on your fucking podcast app that's just on your phone, I'm out there, or just on SoundCloud. One of these fucking things is coming out every week. But the reason I'm coming to you on uh, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, instead of Thursday, is because Wednesday night, uh, my lovely wife Brenda and I were out for uh Leanne's birthday shout out to Leanne and JD and uh a bunch of other cats are there shout out to JP and Brooke um uh Danielle and Brandon, uh, everybody else we met there. It was fun. It was a good time. But uh, of course, I just got to say again, I think I've been saying this for weeks. I'm going to go there again. My fucking tolerance for alcohol is so not what it used to be. And I mean, it's getting crazy now. Last night I didn't drink, which has been rare. I can't remember the last Thursday I didn't drink. But on Wednesday... I'll say, I started off with two rounds. First, it was, of course, the Maker's Mark Neat, and then I had something called, it was a beer, but it was some kind of beer that's not an IPA, it's called a Sausa Sausoon or some shit, I don't know what it's called. I forgot the name of it, it was like One Track or something like that, and it was 8.5 alcohol percent or whatever, which is pretty high for a beer, <clears throat> so... Two rounds like that, so there's four drinks right there. Then when we were leaving, we took a shot. Then we went over to one more bar, and I had one more shot. So six drinks all together, and I was fucking blackout, blotto, fucking wasted. Took an Uber home. Somehow I lost one of my uh, credit cards and my phone. The next morning I woke up hungover to death, because that's another new thing. The hangovers are just brutal these days. And so I don't know what the fuck is going on. I have my work phone. I'm calling my phone. I'm using Brenda's phone to call the other phone, trying to look for it. Look all over the house. Not there. I'm not hearing it. I'm like, fuck this. Cause this happens every now and then, which says a lot about me. But, uh, I'm like, all right, this time I really fucked up. It's not here. So then I'm going. I'm like, uh, I go on my way to work. All I have is my work phone. When I get to my job, I sit in the parking lot for a minute. And I'm like, fuck. So I try and call it again. And out of nowhere, my phone gets answered by this random dude. And this is at like 6.30 in the morning. He's like, hello. And I'm like, oh, shit. What's up? He's like, yeah, it's the cab driver. And uh, he was like, at 5 p.m., uh, I'll be around so you can come and get your phone. I was like, holy Shit. Who would have thought that? Fucking lose your phone in New York City and there's a good Samaritan out there. He was from uh, West Africa, I believe. Very nice guy. And then it took longer... Cause I'm just speculating here, but it seems like the guy worked like a nine to five job and then drive the cab at night. Cause he said he wasn't around and he wasn't around till like almost six actually. And then he had to get on the road and then I had to go meet him in the fucking city. So I didn't even know i getting the phone back till nine. It was late. It was like 10 when I got home. So I was like, fuck all this shit. I hadn't done enough and put enough together to put the show together either. So I was like, let me do it tomorrow afternoon and I'll be more relaxed. You know, I could have recorded it on my work phone, I guess, but you know, it is what it is. I was all fucked up yesterday from the hangover, and these fucking hangovers are brutal when it's fucking this hot out. And, and drinking bourbon in general is a little crazy when it's very humid out, and now once again, it's, it's, today's not even hot. It's like just mad humid again, and I'm in the fucking room with the window closed and everything like that. It's like one of the reasons I grew this fucking beard in the first place was so I could hide my permanent sweat mustache. But it was also the first time I could ever grow a fucking beard, too. It was like, oh, my God, I finally hit puberty at 31 years old. Thank you. Finally made it. It's kind of like Garth Algar in Wayne's World. I mean, he's like to Wayne. He's like, you didn't tell him about my pubes, did you? And Dana Carvey was at least 35 when that happened. But who knows? You know what I'm saying? Fucking Wayne's World. That, Wayne's World 2 is, I don't know, both are hilarious. But I 2 is a little funnier. And it didn't do great at the box office. I'm sitting here taking tiny sips of Maker's Mark. So there's not that drastic pause that you hear sometimes. You know, fucking Wayne and Garth, fucking dudes from the early 90s, rocking out in a basement. Rich and I did that, actually. You can look it up on YouTube. It's called Underground Review. We had our own very, very, very short-lived public access TV show. It was like Wayne's World. We took callers. It's on YouTube. You can go on there and check it out. Uh, Speaking of shit like Wayne's World and, you know, white guys with long hair, it was uh, the 30th anniversary of Appetite for Destruction. I believe it was last week, maybe last Wednesday, and and it was actually being performed at the Apollo 125th in Harlem. You know the deal. So, I was driving by it that day, too. I saw a bunch of Sirius XM shit outside, and I was, like, working, so I couldn't really sit there and grill it. But I was like, oh, something's going on there tonight. And I found out that Guns was doing the uh, 30th anniversary celebration for Appetite. And I just, it crossed my mind. It's like, did they play One in a Million there? I wonder how that would have went over in fucking uh, Harlem. That song is still so fucking polarizing and fucked up, and it's funny that it's just blatantly still on iTunes. If you know the song and you know what I'm talking about, there's some, uh, I mean, that might as well have been Donald Trump's fucking... Uh You know, uh, campaign music If you listen to the lyrics closely It's pretty bad And they just left it on And I know for a fact I've heard stories about this That uh, Slash did not want it to come out And Axel insisted on it And Axel insisted on the lyrics being the same And uh, if you're familiar with the song It's uh, got some shit that's a little crazy on it but everybody fucking doesn't know that shit. It's fucking insane. You see everybody in the hood rocking a fucking... They'll be at a fucking Black Lives Matter protest wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt. And it's like, have you ever heard One in a Million? Which I understand. Fucking, like, Axel was just telling a story or something. or I mean, that's really... I, I don't know. It kind of tells his life story. So some of the shit there he probably meant. I have no fucking idea. But, um... It's just like an interesting dynamic. Like if anyone ever were to bring up that song, like one time for example, I heard Vic Mensa, whose album came out today, and uh, I, I think Vic is a good rapper, Egan Smith, but he's quite obnoxious anytime he's getting interviewed or anytime. It's- time he tries to make some kind of relevant or uh coherent statement it just doesn't connect for me but he can spit i'll always say that i like him more than chance and they're in the same crew or something like that but uh dude's like always is repping like 90s rock shit like he loves nirvana and he said when he was on breakfast club last time he was like oh i'm a huge guns N' roses fan and then him and angela Yee were like oh sweet child of mine it's like you <laughs> should that's their biggest fucking song maybe november rain or that one of those two is their biggest fucking song that's real deep i wanted to call in that day and be like or tweet him and be like yo fucking uh have you ever heard this record and just send him one in a million and be like because i don't think you have and i don't think all these people with the fucking guns N' roses shirt know what's in that song because that's pretty much the epitome of what everyone is you know shitting on and getting all mad about and protesting about these days but i guess it goes uh you know speak no evil hear no evil see no evil in more ways than a million I mean, fuck, I don't know. One in a million's a polarizing song. And, uh, you know, it's definitely inappropriate to play. It would never be played on a radio station. One thing I find interesting about it, though, is uh, not to play this fucking game, but I always listen to a lot of, like, hip-hop and raw New York rap shit, hard shit, where they're talking about, like... uh, you know, prison and crackers and everything like that. And it's almost a similar idea to what Axel says in one in a million. That's like the white trash trailer park version of what these dudes from Brooklyn and Queens or whatever are saying. But, you know, obviously when it comes to this is deep institutional and historical issues that we could go on and on and on about. But I always drew that parallel or comparison i don't even know if it's parallel or perpendicular but it is interesting i always listen to music where they're saying cracker and they're saying all this shit about bad cops and shit like that which i love all that shit nwa fuck the police is one of my favorite songs ever i love ice t cop killer i'm gonna talk about ice t a little bit later in this shit too but uh you know who the fuck knows they played at apollo which Metallica played there? I mean, I'm sure it's not even... Who knows? Who knows is performing I'm sure it was all elite people because that's a small venue. To see guns in there was probably fucking insane. You know? <sighs> Bottoms up. Did you guys hear about this new uh, sex toy they got? It's for <coughs> couples in a long-distance relationship. And it's controlled by a fucking app on your phone. So basically, if your partner is far away... Basically, she has these, like, I don't know if it's panties or if it's just a device she inserts in her vagina in that case. And uh, the guy, like, manipulates the thing from an app, whatever, around the world or something like that. Now, I have a few questions about this thing. Uh, Number one, is there a gay version? Do they have one where, like, something goes up the guy's ass? If it's not, like, panties, I guess the dude could just shove it up his ass and then his partner could, you know fucking do what he's got to do with the app on the other end, you know what I'm saying? Also, like, what about, like, a guy? Do they have something like a pocket pussy or something like that that he can use and then the lady can manipulate it? Oh, maybe it's some, like, uh, you know, the NES glove shit. She puts the glove on and then kind of starts stroking him, you know what I mean? Like, but this is all going into this bizarre realm that we all knew was coming once these sex bot, robot things really take off and get popular. Which they're already going in Japan and China and in the East. You know what I mean? People are all about these fucking things. And I think eventually there's going to be some... You ever heard that record, Computer Love? Computer Love! That shit? This is getting literal computer love at this point. Well, that one, I guess, is different because it's still you're controlling it, but it's like a mix. It's Again, who out there has seen fucking Demolition Man where it's Stallone and Sandra Bullock and she's like, oh, would you like to have sex tonight? And then they put on some weird virtual reality shit. And they're not even touching each other, they're doing some weird fucking cyber sex, but it's actually, you think it's happening, you know? So, uh, I mean, we're not far off from that now. And uh, by the way, my lovely wife, Brenda's in the other room. And if she's hearing this, she definitely wants to jump in the podcast and be like, you're already there. Come on. She's like, you'd fucking buy that immediately. Speaking of futuristic fucking cyborgs and weird aliens and the future and all types of shit, who checked out some of those trailers from San Diego Comic-Con? Or I guess there was some other Disney festival or that's just for corporate people. I have no fucking idea. But uh, I got pulled up here. I watched a lot of these things, the things that I have interest in. And it's funny because I have a list here from, I don't even know what fucking website this is. It's the Washington Post. And their number one thing, which was my number one from all this, was the Stranger Things 2 trailer. Which, it makes the series look dope, which it was already dope, the last version. But it, the trailer's actually well done and has a lot of suspense. It makes you want to be like, oh shit, and they got the thriller shit going on in the background. So, excellent trailer. Really looking forward to it. And I'm happy it's coming out on Halloween this year. It came out around this time last year because it was just, nobody knew what was going to happen. And then it blew the fuck up. This is the biggest thing that's at Comic-Cons now. It's the most, I consider something the biggest thing if it's like really decided on. Like underground heads love it, commercial heads love it, comic book people, video game people. Everybody loves this fucking thing. Everybody. My wife loved it. Everybody I know that I showed it. So there's a few fucking weirdos that didn't love it or at least appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? And it is just brilliant. I mean, it's fucking Monster Squad and Goonies and all that shit, but a new version, even though it takes place then, it's, the writing is current. I have no idea what Ready Player One is. It's a Steven Spielberg movie about fucking Robot, Dazzling Oasis. I don't give a shit. Uh, fucking Stranger Things is what Spielberg used to be like. <clears throat> of course, we had the Justice League, the newest one, which I really enjoyed, and I'm looking forward to that, especially after... um. The uh, Wonder Woman movie, but we'll see what happens with Justice League, because there's definitely, again, polarizing was the Batman vs. Superman and the Suicide Squad thing. I liked both, and I know that's controversial to say, or provocative at this point, to say who the fuck knows. But uh, we had the Defenders, we had the Punisher, Westworld 2, I'm not going to go through this whole shit, the Thor Ragnarok, all of them were great. The Infinity War was the big thing that I guess nobody saw, but like, and peace to my uncle Matt, who's a regular listener. By the way, it's like, I made that old big deal about not recording this on fucking Thursday, So I got like fucking two listeners, let's be honest here. So, shout out to Matt, he tried to send me, I guess it, maybe it was up, or I don't know if it was, well, he might have saw the footage, it must have been from a cell phone though. Because of that Infinity War shit, he sent me a link that went away immediately. I guess it was some kind of corporate event, and they played a trailer for this Infinity War thing, which apparently is going to have all the MCU, as they call it, in one fucking movie. It's going to have Guardians, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Spider-Man, The Avengers, fucking Black Panther. I guess he's in The Avengers. I don't even know. But, and Thanos, played by Josh Brolin. It's going to be fucking sick. Oh, by the way, I'm such a fucking cunt. Speaking of uh, Comic-Cons, Richie and I are making our valiant return to a big one, actually. Richie and I will be in the Artist Alley at Boston Comic-Con this year. We've annually done Baltimore the last two years, but... This one is going to be a big, it's like we had to choose one or the other and we've never done Boston. So that's why we're going to do Boston. And Matt, I'll call you and talk to you about it. Like, I'm sorry if you're hearing it here the first time. This is like when fucking Durant left fucking Russell Westbrook and fucking just went to Golden State and fucking, uh, fucking Westbrook heard about it in the media. Like, this is fucking real media. Give me a motherfucking break. So, <clears throat> yeah, we'll be at Boston Comic Con. Uh, one other thing that I liked was that Captain Marvel movie, which I guess is Marvel Girl or something. I already. It's Brie Larson. That looked cool. I'm interested in that. The Stranger Things was the best. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It looks really cool. And the trailer was compelling. So it what makes you want to watch that shit. Another thing I watched over, uh, I think it was earlier in the week, but it was actually very well done, was this new special Vice has on HBO. And you everybody should watch this if you have HBO or HBO Go. It's called World in Disarray. And it's about what's been going on in the last 25 years or so. Or, I mean, from, like, they state in the movie from 91 to 2001 – was a very peaceful time because I guess that's after Desert Storm and then then 9-11. There was a few things. Of course, the First World Trade Center, some of the rising of the uh, Islamic terrorism and uh, some of those places. And um, also other weird shit like the IRA was going on heavy at that time too. So, I mean, there was other shit, but it wasn't like this war we have going on now. And we provoked a lot of that and they talk a lot about that. The whole Bush administration completely botched it, completely fucked it up. And then the argument could be made that Obama didn't fucking do anything else. They, they, this is the most honest I've ever seen Vice, I'll be honest. And I watch Vice every fucking night. I watch the, day, the nightly news show on there. I think it's very well done. For anyone out there to say that it's not slanted to the left, I don't know what to tell you. It certainly is. They, they skew numbers, they say things a certain way to make it work. But the news coverage, I, a lot of conservatives or people on the right that I would, uh, you know, I'm friends with or family with and I talk to, they want to be like, oh, they go off about fucking how crazy it is, this, that, and the other thing, and how far to left. But it is better than CNN and MSNBC. It is more objective, honestly. If you have an open mind going to it, it is. But um, they're definitely left. But this was the most honest they've ever been. And they did, they did not do the Obama administration any favors when it came to this. Because I guess the idea for fucking Barack is going to be that um, his domestic policy was good, his foreign policy was bad which is what it seems to be shaping up to be. And that's often what it is with Democrats in the United States. Uh, I mean, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. There is no answer anymore. There's so many problems. But that whole shit's about war... This guy, Richard Haas, who worked for Carter, Reagan, H.W. Bush, then W. Bush. But he was a pretty uh, centrist kind of guy. I, uh, you know, I got into a debate with my brother the next day. He doesn't like him, whatever. I didn't have a problem with this guy. But again, he's a politician not to be trusted. Not, never trust any one of them, even if you kind of liked him or whatever. Even if you're a Kid Rock fan and you're going to vote for him in the fucking uh, Senate in Michigan. Sorry, guys, I had to sit and take a sip. I going to be honest. <laughs> Speaking of the military, I guess, you know, trans people or Ben, or he had a tweet. It's not in policy, but just that tweet alone. See, I don't like that. That's something that makes me not like the president or not like the administration because it's like, it's just red meat for your base. It's just you being a fucking asshole. Like, it's not, it's just a tweet he made. I don't know if it's really going on. And my thing is true meritocracy fucking like a true meritocracy true meritocracy whatever the fuck how you say it I want the best person qualified for the job to be doing it I don't care it doesn't necessarily have to be your version of it if there's somebody there that's better at doing it fucking let them do it shut the fuck up about it arguments can be made to left right and center about why it's ridiculous what he did or why it's a good idea why he did I don't see that side But, you know, I don't like that one. I don't like... Because that's blatantly, like, trying to feed your base. And I think he's doing it because of the Sessions feud, the Jeff Sessions shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, fucking, um... All the conservatives are pissed off about that, but they like this. So he wants to do this and shoot the tweet out and let him know. This motherfucker was in Long Island today. His fucking, me his speeches and all that shit is getting less coherent by the second. not, it's, it's coherent. It's just like it's getting to the point of stand-up comedy now. It's getting to the point of Sam Kinison's stand-up comedy, which is... Everybody's, like, so mad. He's not cordial. He's not this. He's not that. But it's... I'm sorry. I have a sense of humor, and I don't give a fuck. It is funny, and it does represent what this country is better than Obama did. My version of what I would like to think the country is is more... Not necessarily policy-wise, because I don't agree with almost any policy of Obama, but his uh, production and his speaking. And he's just another one. You know, we could go on and on about what he did, and he's a big government guy, which I don't like that shit. But I liked his speeches a lot, actually. And that's what I would... I that's his main thing that I liked about him was that he was fucking good at speaking and representing the country well in the Western world. That's his main shit, Obama. But, um, you know, this guy, it's funny, it's crazy, it's insane. And maybe that's one of the reasons why healthcare crashed fucking uh, last night. But who knows what's going to happen? That's, I, I honestly really just believe we're headed towards single payer. We should do, I forget which country it is, not the UK version. It's either Sweden or Switzerland, I forget. But they have a good version where it's like it's single payer, but you have to use a certain amount of it, and if not, you pay it back. Or its not, It's a very fair version of it. I always talk about the Mets on this podcast, but it's getting so relevant now. They sold off Duda. They're forty-seven and fifty-three on fucking July twenty-eighth. They're playing the Mariners tonight at ten ten. They lost last night. They keep going back and forth. They need to sell off the team. I think the Duda trade to the fucking Rays was the beginning, and it's a good idea. That's it. You know, what I'm saying I like Duda as a player, but he was definitely all or nothing most of the time. It was either slump or a lot of home runs. Nothing in between, which is what a lot of MLB looks like at the moment. But we'll see what's happening. The Yankees are interesting, and I'm not a Yankees fan. I used to hate them bad. Now I've kind of bounced back, and I like Aaron Judge. So, I mean, if they're relevant in the playoffs, I'm definitely going to watch the Yankees, which, from what I see, they'll at least be interesting in the playoffs. We'll see what happens with that division with the Rays and the Red Sox and the Yankees. I don't know. The other shit is this Kyrie Irving fucking thing going on in Cleveland. And he, I guess he wants to go to the Knicks. He's fr- he grew up in Jersey. He's fr- he was born in Australia. I'm going to take a sip. Sorry, y'all. I'm drinking this. Strong IPA. It's only 6.8, whatever. But is the shit my boy Ruben gave me. I might have shouted it out on a podcast or two ago. but it's strong and these dudes i guess it's in red hook or around there because that's where he works next to Ruben. it's called five burrows ipa it's good definitely check it out but yeah irving wants to trade out of cleveland supposedly he's not even answering the fucking texts or calls anymore shit's getting totally out of control i mean lebron said he wants to beat his ass I don't know. Looks like this is ending badly in Cleveland. LeBron's definitely out. Kyrie looks like he wants out before. He wants to one-up him, which is all we're seeing. This is, Again, I said this a few weeks ago. Like, I, uh, I used to be total NBA head, Like, but it's been real bad for two years now. And now this is just the culmination of everything they've allowed there. But when it comes to sports, something much more exciting is going on tomorrow night. And my lovely wife Brenda and I will be in the building. Barclays Center. Adrian Broner. Mikey Garcia, fighting at 140 pounds. The undercard is outrageous, too. I just want to read it off because I know, like, this, I'm so happy I'm going to get to see all these fighters in person. Mikey Garcia, 29 years old. Uh, I think three-time, three-division world champion. Fucking great. And his last fight, he knocked out this one guy. I don't want to look up the name. I think it was an Eastern European cat. Knocked him the fuck out. I think in the third or fourth round, if I remember correctly. But it was awesome. Adrian Broner, I've had a lot of love for AB over the years. He's. I can't believe he's only 27. He should be in the mix with all those guys like fucking Errol Spence Jr., Keith Thurman. Danny Garcia, I don't know what's up with Cal Brook, fucking all those guys, he should be right there with all them, it's so funny, he's more famous than where his skill is at, but we'll see tomorrow night, I really don't know who I'm rooting for in this, because Mikey, it's totally the good guy versus the bad guy, Mikey Garcia is a responsible, respectable, nice guy, great kid from Oxnard, California, Mexican, Chicano, um, A.B. is a complete lunatic from Cincinnati, Ohio. Just recently, what was it, two or three months ago, his fucking, I think it was a fucking Range Rover, one of his SUV got shot up going over that bridge that goes from Cincinnati into fucking, or it was right by the bridge that goes from Cincinnati into Kentucky. If you've ever been in that area, It's. I love that area. Shout out to fucking Sin City, not Vegas, Cincinnati. I love it out there, and I love the Kentucky shit. I don't know what it's called, but it's right over the border. The undercard, we got uh, Twin Charlo, <coughs> Future of Boxing, Jamal Charlo, who just... I remember his last fight was uh, the Julian Williams knockout, which was a huge fucking upset. And we're seeing what's good. He, I think this is i think this is the first fight at 160, because that was at 154. He's fighting Jorge Highland, who I'm not familiar with. But I'm going to do some research before... I don't know who Roushey Warren versus Nick Joe Arava. I don't know. We have Jarrell Miller versus Gerald Washington. They moved some of this shit around because Austin Trout versus Jared Hurd. I thought that was on this card, but it looks like they took it off. So one of them must be injured. I should have looked that up. My bad, y'all. But yeah, big baby Jarrell Miller. He's one of these heavyweights that could be in the mix with the Deontay Wilders and AJs. And I don't know, Klitschko and AJ are doing a rematch. Uh, of course, my boy Tyson Fury. Fucking um, King Kong, Luis Ortiz, all the heavyweight I mean, Tony Bellew's cruiser, but he could move up, but he'd get his ass kicked. Uh, David Hay, a lot of those cats. So tomorrow night, Barclays Center. Brenda and I will be in the building to see it live, and I will give you a full, in-detail report when I come back next week. It's going to be a good time, y'all. So the album I checked out this week to discuss was, uh, it's a soundtrack to a movie and I didn't do, I should have done, I was thinking about doing the movie and the soundtrack together, but I thought that would be corny. Number one. And number two, the movie's very, it's an excellent film, but it's pretty like straightforward. I like to talk about crazier shit that people might not be familiar with, but the soundtrack I listened to this week is the judgment night soundtrack, the movie judgment night. I think it's got Emilio Estevez, Jeremy Piven, Dennis Leary, uh, Uh, Dorf or the guy who's Rudy maybe or Dorf I don't know I get them confused sometimes but um, the soundtrack was interesting at the time it dropped on September 14th 1993 and what they did on this album is they mixed all these I guess at the time they called it alternative rock whatever they mix all this metal or hard rock, metal, alternative rock, whatever the fuck you call it, industrial, whatever. They mix all this rock shit with rap artists. And I honestly, I don't like what they consider new metal. I don't like rock rap shit a lot of times. So honestly, straight up with the rock rap shit, like... Um, the only band that's considered like that that I love is Rage Against the Machine. I, I don't like Korn, and I don't even consider them that kind of shit. They have some songs that are all right, but I'm not a fan of them, really. Limp Bizkit, same thing. Like, no. Uh, whatever was, I like the Deftones, but, and they put them in that group. For some bizarre reason, sometimes they put Helmet that band in that group I really like Helmet I don't consider them new metal I always looked at Helmet more like a band they're a little more commercial sounding but a band that's like uh, Fugazi or fucking Quicksand really like Fugazi because of the two singers speaking of Helmet they're on this the best fucking record on the album is Just Another Victim which is Helmet and House of Pain together what they did with this album came out in 93 they took a lot of um, big fucking rock groups and mixed it with a rapper for some reason, this worked. Usually, this rock and rap shit doesn't work, but it worked on, think about records like Bring the Noise, Public Enemy, and fucking Anthrax. I love that shit. For some reason, Scott Ian spits a hard verse on that. I don't know. Uh, did he write it himself? I mean, did he get fucking uh, Quentin Miller to write it for him before he was out of the womb? I don't fucking know. You know what I'm saying? but it's a this album is brilliant anyone that's like again back to Vic Mensa if you like all this 90s shit and you're obsessed with it you should fucking have this in your whatever you listen to shit on iTunes or whatever like it's got some interesting pair ups the best song on the album is definitely Just Another Victim Helmet and House of Pain Everlast spits a crazy white thug verse on that shit probably my second favorite record uh, the second single is Judgment Night the Biohazard and Onyx shit which is brilliant they also had the Slam remix where Biohazard Onyx built hard because I remember even, this is already going to be almost 20 years ago or at least 15 years ago, I was listening to Heart Attack randomly. Shout out to Dan Sterling, WXEI. I used to uh, listen to Heart Attack and fucking, they played a record that was from a Biohazard album where Sticky was rapping on it. It was like the last song on the album. I have no idea what it is. Don't even ask me. I just saw, I heard Sticky Fingers spitting on that shit. But Biohazard and Onyx, but... My favorite record on here is Just Another Victim, Helmet and House of Pain. The second best is The Slayer. It's called Disorder. Slayer and Ice-T. And it's three exploited songs. And Ice-T doesn't even spit, really. He, just, he was doing the body count thing at the time. I gotta do Body Count's first album on here one time because that, that shit's so fucking brilliant. I don't give a shit if it's a gimmick or whatever you want to call it. And I could go off about Rollins and him at Lollapalooza and that whole fucking, uh, you know, genesis of that. There is some misfires on this thing. Like, they got this shit. Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul. That one I wasn't that into. Uh... And that was one of the singles, and they sampled Tom Petty, Free Fallen, but they just do the fallen part. One thing that was weird is Faith No More and Booyah Tribe. Like, that Booyah Tribe is so, like, out there. Nobody remembers them. And I was, like, thinking about it. Like, when I was young, I thought they were Mexican dudes, but they're fucking, like, uh, Samoan dudes. I was thinking that, too. I was like, when I thought about it today, I was like, Booyah Tribe was definitely Samoan dudes. They're all big, or I thought Hawaiian. They're all big, crazy-looking motherfuckers. Um... They also have this weird shit with the band Therapy and Fatal. I don't, I'm not even familiar with Fatal. Like I don't even know. One thing that's kind of weird, they got Mudhoney and Sir Mix-a-Lot together on here. Which is funny because they're both from Seattle. So that one works. Uh, they got Cypress Hill on two different records on this one. With One with Pearl Jam, one with Sonic Youth. The Sonic Youth record's better. It's cool because they got Kim from Sonic Youth singing on it. Run DMC and Living Color. I think I touched every record on here. Um, it's really dope. It's interesting. And it's, again, taking a trip back to 1993. If you got time, check the movie. Um, it's fucking funny and fun and stupid. It's a little crime movie. A, little, much, a lot of humor. In it everlasts in it, actually. It's fucking dope. Now, speaking of movies, the movie I wanted to share with you all this week was uh, 1986. Jim Wynorski's Chopping Mall, which I threw on today. Like, I've always been aware of this shit. It's got the fucking cover and for some reason I thought I hadn't seen it before but when I threw it on today I was like, oh yeah, I watched this like a year or two ago. It's so fucking brilliant and funny. It's that stupid 80s like comedy joke shit mixed with the horror, violent, sci-fi shit. Basically the plot is like, there's these little robots who are supposed to end up taking over the, like, mall security guard job. But, of course, one night, oh, okay, when, like, they're in the fucking spot in the mall, like, you have to show them your security guard your security card and they'll let you go or whatever but if you're not supposed to be there they'll capture you and then they're not supposed to kill anybody they're all fucking benign and shit like that of course one night some weird thunderstorm is going on and it electrocutes the circuit board and then these things come possessed and they start just randomly killing everybody and they also have the classic horror 1980s film trope of like uh it's eight teenagers together they're having sex they got the nerd they got all that shit There's uh, some funny shit in this movie and there's a good kill, a head explodes on a dumb bitch, which is always fun. I mean, some of the taglines here is uh, (laughs) when shopping costs you an arm and a leg. There's one. There's a few others that are just fucking hilarious. It's a great film. It's funny. It's really short. It's only an hour and 20 minutes. It's one of those 80s shit. It came out on Concord. Check it out. It's got that one crazy fuck uh, what the Dick Miller, who's, uh, I think he's in so many movies, but famously for me, Gremlins is the most known. And then, of course, fucking uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. He's up in there. Chopping Mall. It's on Amazon Prime for free. I think it's on Netflix as well. But uh, that's going to do it for me this week, y'all. So uh, be safe. Enjoy. I love y'all. Keep checking in. Spread it. Share it. As I said, I'm on fucking iTunes now. Subscribe. And share, fucking write reviews, tell me to fuck myself. I love it. Peace.